Encore with Shannon Fogarty. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com Happy Thursday evening and welcome to Encore on Midlands 103 with Shannon Fogarty. This is the Midlands dedicated arts show bringing you the absolute best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmead. I hope you are having a wonderful evening so far. So here is what's coming up on the show tonight. Esker Arts Centre have some incredible shows coming up including Dreaming by Camille O'Sullivan. We'll find out everything about the show from her and also The Murder of Wolf Tone by Paddy Cullivan. You'll hear some exciting new facts from Paddy about this play. Also on the show, Liam Hall Walsh will be on to chat about the Westmead Filmmakers Collective Summer Networking Party coming up and I speak to a Canadian writer who in her travel book series is coming to Ireland which is actually very very exciting. To get in touch pop with any of my guests or with me tonight you can pop me a text 083 30 10 103. You can follow us across all of our social media channels at Midlands 103 or if you want to be a part of the show you can email me encore at midlands103.com To start the show I am delighted to be joined by Camille O'Sullivan, who is bringing her show Dreaming to the Esker Arts Centre tomorrow night. Camille, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm so delighted to be uh, coming tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. And thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm only delighted to have you on. So can you give me a little bit of an overview of what Dreaming <laughs> okay. is about? Well, we just um, we just did a week there in London. It was good fun because... Uh, uh, when uh, what I basically do, and I'll explain the dreaming in a minute, is I, I over the years I've been singing the likes of Nick Cave and Jack Brell and Radiohead and Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen. So it's quite a theatrical show, and um, it's about becoming different. Uh, you become the different songs, and it's not like being a tribute. You make them your own. But years ago, maybe I was a bit more kind of hiding. I'm from Cork originally, living in Dublin now, but. Uh, used to kind of not talk too much between the songs. And then after the last few years of kind of being in the kitchen so long with the cat and not going out gigging, um, I thought, well, if I'm going to come back, I think I'll come back truthfully. And I've always loved this notion of dreams or the idea of storytelling or um, I suppose fantasy. Like I used to be an architect before, so I'm not mad about reality, but love fantasy. So the idea is to bring a magical word to the audience, but bring all these different aspects of yourself. And now at the stage of my life, like I come on quite enigmatically with this beautiful red dress, which is, is on the poster and it's all very enigmatic. And then it's all about the fact that this is what I bought online, my drunken purchases online. <laughs> and you take a look around the stage. There's like this kind of hula hoop, like the effort that I tried to do kind of yoga headstands and stuff like that. Like this is the mad part of the show in the sense, the talking, the singing is the sublime kind of beautiful ballads and rocking out and stuff like that. But um, it's about kind of letting yourself be free and letting yourself fall apart. So I tell the audience, yes, it is about dreaming, but it is about kind of the wheels are coming off. So it's a notion of kind of just having joy and fun and, um, you know, laughing, crying or whatever. And so um, uh, when we did in London recently, they said, you know, they said, oh, we've always loved your gigs, but now since you're falling apart, we're really enjoying it. <laughs> so I was okay, fair enough. Um, so it'll be with myself and Fergal Murray. Like usually I do it with a kind of a rock band, but we do very kind of the beautiful, intimate songs of Waits and Cohen and uh, Caves. 
And then uh, for the more madder kind of upbeat, we um, he plays trumpet and stuff, and we use kind of uh, some of the tracks from the band and things. So it's really just um, you know I adore music, um, love Bowie, he's in there, and um, might actually bring you know really with such a fan of Aslan, I might do a song or two from him. So. Um, but uh, Fergal's always I adore Fergal he's from Derry he's coming down an incredible piano player but he's always like nervous going what is she going to do next and that's <laughs> basically uh, just want to have fun on stage and so excited to go to this beautiful um, new venue um, and if anybody wants to have a peek of what I kind of do like they might be able to see like a Jules Holland, Holland clip did years ago of In These Shoes that's like one aspect and then they can find more of the kind of sad songs to so it, it constantly changes. And the whole idea behind the show is <clears throat> that no song is the same. And it's just about expressing different parts of yourself. And, uh, you know, I just realize now that I'm revealing more of myself that, you know, I didn't realize that I was maybe as eccentric as I was. You oh, come alive with the music. You are, Camille. And I was are you sure? <laughs> so um, I always joke I'll be in fit. You know, I'm not looking like the poster now, but I'll be in fit shape next year. Um, there might be a hula hoop thing happening on stage during one of the songs, but uh, so yeah, have a glass of wine and you know enjoy enjoy you know all the music I love, you know. And I love how you bring a hula hoop and all that sort of into the I show. Know. You really show your personality, but also the emotion you feel the while you're performing. <laughs> well, I did it the other night and it wasn't clicked together, so we had a good laugh about that in Scotland. But yeah, I mean it's funny. It's all those years you kind of try and hide yourself, but. You know, geez, like I don't, you know, when I look back now and I think, God, I was looking good then. I'm, I'm like, now I'm just embracing the fact that, you know, things are not the way they used to be, but I'm kind of enjoying that madness. And I think people have been through so much um, to even be in a room full of people again, kind of just looking out at them and having a lovely time or just telling a really beautiful story, you know, is kind of amazing. And uh, I just think every, like collectively, we've all been through something. So, part of me just wanted to come back and chat a little and, you know, uh, connect. Like the whole idea, but I'm, a, I'm quite, you know, I'm half French and uh, i got the Irish side and um, I just love these kind of songs, which are, you know, what I grew up listening to, Brel and Bowie and the Beatles and Pink Floyd and stuff. And um, it's just really uh, such a pleasure to sing it. But also the show is about with connecting with people like a lot of people, um, and, you know, not that I'm going to go out and hug them, but that's what I try and do. <laughs> In the old days, I would have, you know, cli- climbed out there. But uh, it depends on how, how much uh, rope the uh, sound engineer gives me tomorrow to go out. <laughs> That'll <laughs> but, be absolutely um, brilliant to see you out and oh, hugging I'm members. <laughs> I'm probably like a big kid on stage. So it's just, you know, to be joyful and have and have a bit of madness, you know. I love that. So where did <laughs> the idea come to create Dreaming? Well, I think if that came during the lockdown where I was, you know, there was no work and, and you know, we'd just come off a very long kind of tour and just did, oh, then I'd done, I just did uh, um, Christmas Carol at the Gate and I've just finished Piaf now at the Gate, so very different shows, but I had been thinking at that stage when we were all locked away, um, oh God, you know, like anybody, what's going to happen and was I a singer and what's that about? And so Fergal, um, who is from Derry, I said, look, when we came 
had a few days out of lockdown, I said, let's go to this farm and let's just put down all the music we ever liked and let's not do it as a recording, just do it for us. So it was kind of just a really lovely thing to do because we kind of weren't sure after being out of work whether it would be possible to go back and it was just about doing things for us. So we chose, this is some of the songs that ended up and some of it is about what we went through and what people went through. Um, uh, Kind of some numbers um, uh, is just about, I suppose, you know, um, uh, connections to people and being joyful and to dance and to, you know, there's some great songs in there um, like Ship Song by Nick Cave and Jubilee Street and um, some stuff is just about, uh, about I suppose, in a way, um, connections with the audience and other things is just about rocking out and kind of some of the like people always joke over the years they said you were great at dancing I said I was dancing was I <laughs> I when, when I go on, I'm a bit nervous before I go on stage but once I'm on stage I'm just all over the place um, except for quiet songs I, I stay still but the dreaming thing was a notion that people have an aspiration to hope and a wish and a dream of things and um, that you can be anything on stage that you can be anything in life and whether that and also the dream of like um, how vulnerable or open or angry or, you know, so to, I'm a, you know, like any Irish person, you know, I'd be apologetic to a certain stage, you know, I'm sorry, 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 until I explode. <laughs> so the notion that I'd be quite, like I'm very friendly and I'm chatting away with you here, but I'd be quite shy off stage, but the, the notion that on stage, like there's these um, stat- these figures I have on stage with a, like a dog, a mask and a cat one. I don't know if you remember during lockdown, there was this Zoom call made where this fella didn't know how to turn off this thing of him being a cat on a Zoom call for a yes. law court case in yeah. America. And I thought, I've got to get that cat head. And, and, and I did. I was trying to make Fergal play it. He did it at the start, which was very funny. But now I want to be sure um, what that cat Jared Letter was in... Um, uh, in the Met Gala, I thought, you know, the fact I put on a bit of weight, I said to my partner, I'm feeling a bit kind of self-conscious being on stage. So I thought that cat output would be great. He said, you're getting too eccentric, Camille. He said, just dim the lights and eat cake. And I thought, OK, I'll try that too. <laughs> so, I love that. That's some really good advice. Well, it is. And then also, if you see me on stage, my shoes are falling apart. I've got t- tears in my tights and stuff. And, you know, and I also the, none of the dresses are fitting anymore so it's like the tightest pants in the world these are things I would have hidden and tried to be enigmatic as a performer but now I'm just like I'm telling the audience and it's quite funny because you can see the men going and the women are going don't tell them and (laughs) it's just the notion of and some people said it to me they said it's so nice that you're letting yourself fall apart because we're all feeling a little fragile and it takes a lot out of me because I'd wake up at four going I can't believe what I said I can't believe I said because most of the time I was just so happy just sing songs but now I just thought, oh, you know, I'm just going to open out and, you know, unravel a little. And you're I think authentic when you're older, on stage. That's what well, you are. So it's nice to see that. That's the decision that's been taken. And I mean, Jesus, I'm, you know, sometimes you're there with the poster, like, who's that? You're like, that's me. That's me. I'm going to put my makeup on. I swear I look like that. So it's just, um, I mean, the songs I choose have, a. to be honest, the songs I love the most are the ones that have all, like, Martha, Tom Waits, and Look, Mommy in Her Hands, it's an extraordinary song by this amazing woman, Dilly Keane, are the sad songs, but then I mix them with a lot of upbeat, kind of crazy ones too, because if you go to that place, it can, it's quite challenging, but there's, like, David Bowie, like, I was such a fan of his, we do Where Are We Now, and Quicksand, which is a new song for me, and, um, 
And there's so much that you're going to bring to the stage. And we're very, very, very excited to see you. And it's all, it it feels like the first time, I can tell you, but it'll be fun. And and it will be. And if anybody wants... A bit of audience wants to sing along, especially if I'm doing the Christie song, I'd love, like, that'll be just a song maybe off mic because he was such an incredible singer. Anyway, I shouldn't be talking too much, (laughs) but I won't talk as much tomorrow. There'll be more songs than my speaking. (laughs) It'd be brilliant. I know, and I'm just running out of time for you now, but thank you so much for coming on. And if anybody wants tickets, they'll go to eskerarts.ie and grab the last few tickets there because this will definitely (laughs) be a show you will want to see. Camille, thank you so much. Take a whiskey. Thank you so much. My (laughs) pleasure. Take care, Pat. Bye. Uh, she is absolutely amazing, isn't she? And again, if you want tickets, head over to eskerarts.ie. It is one you really don't want to miss. We're going to take a quick break and up next, a Canadian author and her book series, Amanda Travels, right here on Midlands 103. Midlands 183's Encore with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Live theatre, drama, dance, music, comedy, musical theatre, panto. Your home of entertainment for all. DeanCrowTheatre.com you are back with Shannon Fogarty on Encore here on Midlands at 103. And travel is an aspect that we all love. And I am delighted to be joined by a Canadian author who has created a series called Amanda Travels. And Amanda has travelled to Paris, Spain, Holland, New Mexico and so on. And now she is coming to Ireland. Delighted to have author Darlene Foster with me. Darlene, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. First off, welcome to Ireland. I know you said that this is your first time here and I'm absolutely delighted that you could come to this little country of ours. Tell me a little bit about your process of researching for your series, Amanda Travels, and why is Ireland the next one? Well, Ireland has been on the list for quite some time and um, I have been invited a few times to come and visit this absolutely wonderful and very, very green island. As I landed, I said to myself, this really is the Emerald Isle. <laughs> I've never seen such green in my life. It was wonderful. Um, and I've always wanted to do it. And um, it'd be, I've been invited a few times and I decided to, to make, uh, you know, make the trip. And uh, I'm happy that I did. The way I research is I, I visit a place basically as a tourist. And as I am making my rounds and visiting all the spots, and not always the regular touristy spots, I visit other spots that other people probably wouldn't. And um, I take a lot of notes. I keep a travel journal and I take a lot of pictures. And as I'm looking and seeing things, little ideas will just come into my mind and I, I don't have my husband with me this time, but we often travel together. And it's really funny because it's not just the two of us traveling. It's three of us because I'll turn to him and I'll say, oh, Amanda would like that. Oh, Amanda's got to do that. Amanda's really got to taste these. <laughs> that so, is um, so sweet. So she's, she's always with us. Um, and, uh, and I'm always, you know, thinking of ways that I could work it into a, into a story. Uh, because I, the idea of my books is, to introduce children to uh, places maybe they haven't been before or if they have, to remind them of the place and, uh, and, to, and to wind a, a mystery and adventure around, around the sights and the scenes and the food and the, the sayings. I always incorporate some little sayings. So as I'm, I'm listening to people speaking and making little comments that are just 
typical of the vernacular of the area. I make note of them and include them in the book and uh, just to give kids a taste and, and hopefully encourage them to travel as well. Tell me a little bit about Amanda and where the idea came from. Well, um, I guess about 20 years ago, I went to visit a friend of mine who was working in the United Arab Emirates. And um, I was blown away. It was just such a different culture and a different landscape. Everything about it was, for me, magical. And um, when I came home from this fabulous trip, I uh, started to write about it. But I was writing an adult story and it was really boring. And the excitement that I felt when I was there was not coming through in this book. And then one sleepless night, I was starting to make notes. And I recalled that while I was there, my girlfriend said, you know, Darlene, you're acting like a 12-year-old because I was so excited. Uh, And she didn't mean it in a bad way. She meant, you know, that I was looking at things as if I was seeing them through the eyes of a child. I was so excited. And I thought, why don't I write this more from a child's point of view? So I created Amanda, um, a girl from Alberta uh, who had never been anywhere and thought her life was boring. And she got tickets to visit her aunt and uncle Uh, in the United Arab Emirates for her birthday, and she flew over there, and she had an adventure of a lifetime. And that was how, um, you know, Amanda came to be. And um, once she went one place, of course, she had the travel bug, as often happens. And um, she went to Spain and England and New Mexico and all kinds of other places. And she, she's traveled a lot more than what I can say I have. Um, in Ireland now, where will you be visiting? I'm, I'm staying with friends here in Port Leash. Um, and they're going to be taking me around just sort of the vicinity. Uh, so it'll be, I, I tend, when I visit a place, I'd rather just spend some really quality time in the area rather than just, you know, visiting the entire country in four days. I, yeah, I don't do that. I'd rather absorb the um, the surroundings and meet people and talk to people and stuff. Yeah. And that's just it. I can guarantee you now you'll meet some incredible people and you will find some incredible places to write about here in the Midlands. So we are only delighted that you have decided to come here. Definitely. Definitely. I've already got ideas today. I've, I'm a museum buff, so I've been to a number of museums. Um, uh, I've been to Dublin two days in a row now and, uh, you know, done a lot of uh, not just sightseeing, but exploring. And I've collected some really good ideas. Do you know what what will guarantee you be in the book or do we have to wait? Well, I'm quite fascinated by the bog maps. Okay. You know, the bodies they have found in the bog that have been preserved for such a long time. So that's definitely going to be in in the book. Oh, I'm really looking because, forward to that. Because of, and that's something kids will like. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so how long um, does it usually take you to write um, one of these Amanda Travels books? Usually about, it takes about a year for me to write it. Um, and, um, and then it usually takes six months to a year to get it published, you know, to, to, to do the editing and the polishing and get it published. So when you've got an idea and you get started on something, it's probably about two years down the road until there's actually a book on the shelves. 
And as you said, you've been doing this for 20 years. So how many books are in the series at the moment? There's 10. Well, this um, the 10th book is almost ready to go. So the Ireland book would be the 11th book. You write about travel. How did you find COVID affected the series? I actually have not included, I've not, I've decided not to include it. I know some writers have. Um, I try to make my books timeless so that they're still, because people are still buying the first book and it came out in 2010. So, um, so because I haven't made it um, specific to a certain time so that children now will still enjoy it. So mm-hmm. to be able to read these books and to travel through them was, was really beneficial for kids during those times. And at least now they oh. have an idea of where they want to go. I think so, too. And kids started reading more because they were home. Um, they couldn't do a lot of things. They couldn't even go to school. And um, kids were, were reading more and are still, are still reading more, actually. And, and people, adults, were reading more as well, too. So, I mean... There's always a silver lining, right? Um, you know. <laughs> so for anyone that's listening, where can they go and find some of your books if they are looking to read them? Um, well, they're all on Amazon and they're available as a print book or as an ebook, of course. Um, and um, many bookstores, if you go into the bookstore and if they're not on the shelves, you can ask and they can order them for you. I know Waterstone uh, does... Um, list them um, in their catalog, but I don't actually think they have them on the shelves, but you can order them online or in person. And a lot of other bookstores too. You just, just go in and say, I'd like a Amanda in France, uh, Fire in the Cathedral. And, uh, and if they don't have it, they can get it for you. I'm very <laughs> excited to read Amanda in Ireland. I think it's going to be an absolutely incredible book. I wish you the best of luck in Portleash and in the Midlands. And I'm very excited to see what Ireland can contribute to you for this new series. I really appreciated it. Fun talking to you. When we have a release date for Amanda Travels to Ireland, you will be the first to know. I am very, very excited to see what adventures Darlene writes about. Stay with me here on Midlands 103 as after the break, we find out about the Westmead Filmmakers Collective Summer Networking Party and why Westmead will be the film capital of Ireland. Encore on Midlands 183, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com This is Encore with Shannon Fogarty and I am very excited to find out more about the Westmead Filmmakers Collective Summer Networking Party and why Westmead will be the uh, film capital of Ireland and to help me find out all about this I am delighted to be joined by Liam Hall Walsh Liam thank you for coming on the show tonight Hello Sean pleasure to be here uh, So tell me a little bit about the Westmead the Filmmakers Collective and the upcoming summer networking party that you were going to be hosting Yeah so it was sort of established late last year um, on the back of a few different announcements and it had been a long time coming from my perspective. It's something I've wanted to do for a while. But along with the help of um, Gemma Koran and Wilshire Productions, we organised and we set up the, the, the background in the Columbia Bar for the first ever inaugural Westmead Filmmakers Collective networking event. That was on the 29th of December in Columbia Bar in Mullingar. 
and uh, it was incredibly well attended. It was it, it, it exceeded my expectations. Uh, there was at least a hundred people there, so I I really felt like it was it was the start of something or potentially the start of something special. So um, I since been in Spain. I did a theatre tour of Spain. Um, I did over 150 shows, but in the meantime, since now and that event, I've been planning different different things in the background and trying to organise this event. And there's many different wheels turning on in the background, so I'm I'm excited to to uh, yeah maybe share those down the line. But one of the things I was working on in the background was this establishing and organising this networking event. So where and when will this event take place? So yeah, um, the uh, summer networking party for the Western Filmmakers Collective will be uh, at six thirty p.m. upstairs in a Columbia Bar Mullingar. They've refurbished their beer garden and they've put a little, um, they've put a nice set in there. So we'll have a nice professional setup, and uh, we'll document the, the event as well. So um, yeah, there'll be loads of little surprises, I'm sure, on the night. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be special. And it will be special. And I love the idea of making Westmead the film capital of Ireland. I just think it's absolutely amazing to do because there's great scenery to to film around with and there's great people and amazing locations. So where did the idea for this stem from? Was this something that, that you always wanted for Westmead itself or was this a group? Yeah, uh, it was a really good question. So I remember, so up until... February, March of last year, I uh, I was in university. I was in DCU studying economics, politics, and law, and I had been rejected by um, a drama school, a very well-established drama school in Dublin. I suppose it put me in a really negative course of events, and uh, I was in a really bad, negative place. And I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of research, and digging, asking myself questions, and I thought to myself. Well, what would be the best thing that I could do to help myself, but also help other people? And so I wrote this film. I co-wrote this film called The Lads, and that will be coming out this year. But I suppose The Lads was sort of the catalyst for the Westmead Filmmakers Collective. It was the, the whole point of why I made the film was to inspire people from my locality. First off, The Lads is a very Westmead story about Westmead people. It's based on my um, experiences in secondary school and so I wanted to it was sort of a statement film for me to sort of say to people look I've never made a film before I just have loads of passion persistence and patience and I'm willing and I'm, I'm willing to learn and, and you know put myself in situations where I'm going to be under copious amounts of pressure but see if I can persevere and, and get the job done so that's why the lads i, I made the lads the feature film it's i saw the first cut it's uh like i think it's 73 minutes long at the moment and hopefully we're going to try to get into a few venues in mullingar all around Westmead. but yeah it was the whole point of that film was to inspire people and one thing that in going out there and promoting the film i felt like people really wanted it to be successful and people really consolidated around helping me to promote it but through this process I sort of conceived of the idea that well maybe this this town could, could be capable of more. Maybe there there are more people out there who are interested in filmmaking, in acting. Well, there's a there's a whole plethora of talent in that art centre that have no opportunities. 
for filmmaking, for screen acting. And that's something I've always been very bitter about as a young man, that everything was consolidated in Dublin and I had to commute all the time to Dublin. So I was like, the, the main driving force behind this is trying to establish something where there was nothing before and create, you know, all sorts of different opportunities for all different types of individuals who are interested in screen acting, filmmaking, directing, putting, having their films being showcased. And I love that you have such, you can tell in your voice that you have such a passion for this. And it's nice to see that you may have been rejected for one thing, but you're thriving in it and you, and you can tell that you love it. And to have something like this in the Midlands is absolutely amazing because it's a location where anyone can come to instead of having to, to commute to Dublin because the traffic over there, not worth it. Yeah, well, it's also, another thing is it's also very expensive and not very advantageous for working class people. So one of my main driving forces to try and create affordable alternatives for local people and that's, so that's it's a great idea to have all of this and I mean we're really looking forward to the upcoming summer network what day is that being held on in the Columbia Bar in Mullingar it's 24th of June and we have some special guests there if you'd, if, if you'd like me to share who they are oh definitely I'd be happy to yeah uh, we have the co-organisers of Kino D Kino Kino is an international cabaret event that's held all over the world, but this is the Kino D. This is the Kino. This is the Dublin sect. And I've attended a number of their events in the past. They've been very. They've had a transformative effect in my life. So I want to. I want to bring them to this network event and showcase and spread the message of what they they do, so we can attract some local filmmakers to, to maybe go out there into Kino Dublin and try and make their own connections. But also, in another way, spread the idea of Kino. Because another one of my dreams and my ambitions is to do a Kino Midlands, to do a Kino Westmead, to do a Kino Mullingar, some sort of event that's that's similar in in um, concept to Kino. And I suppose for anyone who's who's curious, who's puzzled about what this Kino is, idea of what Kino is, well, attend the event on the 24th and find out because it it truly has profound... It really has had a profound effect on me. Good plug. So that, Good plug. So, yeah. so the the, uh, the organisers of that, Patrick O'Brien and uh, Philip Kidd. So they're going to be interviewed live. That'll be absolutely so, uh, brilliant. Yeah. I'm very excited to find out more about this because I do have a small, small background in film and I find it very enjoying. And I guess anyone from <laughs> any sort of level, from beginner to intermediate, can attend this networking event. Oh, it's open to all levels and that's one thing I really want to stress is we do not discriminate all levels you know it's this is not an exclusive ticketed event where we're going to get you to pay for networking you can come here whether you're a multi-year veteran or a complete novice who just likes films it does not matter where we want everyone to be there this is a community-based event about growing film in West Needs and we need everybody in on it together and that's just it. Everyone in on it together. There's ideas flowing and more, you know, creative minds come together, whether it's, as you said, um, someone that has years and years of experience or someone that is just starting out and wanting to learn more. So it's great to have all of these minds and creativity in one space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the objective of the whole Westview Filmmakers Collective, I can condense it down to one phrase. We are looking to instigate a culture of independent filmmaking in this county. And whether that be big independent productions with big budgets or smaller independent productions with smaller budgets. And, of course, there's all sorts of events we want to run down the line. We want to do film challenges. We want to have bi-weekly meetings. We want to have um, 
festivals, like Mullingar Film Festival, Westby Film Festivals, regional film festivals. Like, this is what being the film capital would mean. And this is this is a vision I have. This is what I want to do. But there's also other guests. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off track. But we also have Jara Waldeck, who is a Griffith. She's a, she's a Griffith film. She's Griffith College. One of Griffith, Griffith's film colleges. Uh, she's a great, sorry. She is, <laughs> she is a film lecturer at Griffith College. Sorry. Oh, brilliant. This one distracted me in the background. Uh, so she'll be there talking about the process and the, how advantageous it is to go into, um, a, a, to consider film as a degree. But we also have Laura Fitzsimons, who's a filmmaker and a photographer. Now, she's very experienced. She's a large, substantial career. She would have she would have photographed Paul Mesco. She would have photographed Barry Keown. She would have done Paul Mesco's headshots. Uh, previously. That is amazing. So, uh, so I guess Liam, I'm just running out of time a little bit but where can people find more information if they want to learn more about the Westmeath Filmmakers Collective? So I would I would really um, I, the, the, the place to, to go to is Westmeath Filmmakers Collective on Instagram. We also have a private Facebook page called Westmeath Filmmakers that we have an email uh, westmeathfilmmakers at gmail.com You can also Follow my Instagram, Liam, Liam J. Hall Walsh. Uh, DM me if you have any personal uh, queries about it. But yeah, we, we want to grow that Instagram as much as we can. So Westfield Filmmakers Collective on Instagram, at Westfield Filmmakers Collective. Yeah, that's, Liam, that's probably the best. thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'm very excited to see what you come up with in the future with Westmead Filmmakers Collective. No worries. Thank you so much for the opportunity to promote. And uh, yeah, I, I hope to share more things in the future. Brilliant. Thank you. We are flying through the sour, but stay right here on Midlands 103 as the murder of Wolf Tone by Paddy Gullivan is up next. Encore, brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com. This is Encore with Shannon Fogarty and I am very, very happy to be joined by Paddy Gullivan who is bringing his show Murder of Wolf Tone to the Esker Arts Centre on June 22nd. So, you are bringing your show Murder of Wolf Tone to the Esker Arts Centre on Thursday, June 22nd. Can you explain the story and what will happen on stage on the night? Okay, well, it's a one-man show of two halves, uh, roughly 45 minutes per half. And you're going to need a 15-minute interval just to get a few drinks in. Because I always say it's, it's a terribly depressing story. It's a very sad story of the murder of our most eloquent and greatest patriot. However, it is full of imagery. I've got over 300 images in the show. I've got songs, and there's quite a bit of humour too because Wolf Tone was a fun person. So you get the whole story of the 1798 rebellion in the first half, and then the official story of what happened to Wolf Tone, how he came back, fought in the Battle of Loch Swilly, was captured, and then brought to Dublin, sentenced to death, and then supposedly tried to kill himself in prison, but lingered for eight days before he eventually died. Um, that's the official story in the second half of the show. I take that whole thing apart and I solve a 225-year-old mystery. And I really believe that Wolf Tone was actually murdered. And there's been kind of almost a second murder of Wolf Tone, an attack on his personality by everything from establishment history to the church to everybody else. And I'm trying to not just rehabilitate the man himself, but actually solve the riddle and the crime. That's incredibly interesting. So it's like a horrible history series, but on stage and in person. Yes, and kind of for adults. So generally 12s and up. Um, I've I've done it a couple of times in schools and kids just love the outrageous violence of the time. Uh, the 1798 era was awful. It was all about hanging, drawing and quartering and all this type of stuff. 
but as I go through it, it, it it's you know it's entertaining, but it's a brilliant story, and you'll find out history, and you'll find out stuff you never you know you never knew before. Even when I started to research the show myself during COVID, I found out so much, and it turned into this amazing murder mystery. And I love how you make it come alive and you make it entertaining, as you say, and that's what everyone enjoys about it. And they learn something from it. And I mean, history was one of my favorite subjects in school. So I'm assuming history is one of your favorite subjects as well. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I mean, I just found the Leaving Cert absolutely outrageous. I'm sure any history students uh, listening, like I, having to write five essays in three hours, what were they on? I mean, I think in my own Leaving Cert, I, I finished four essays and then had to do bullet points. And then I only got a B and I was really annoyed at myself. Oh, no. But, <laughs> oh, it's all like 40 minutes to write a 3,000 word essay. What's wrong with you people? I know. But it's speed writing. I, it is. It is. But again, we learned that history in school. And then I think, you know, it, it starts a lifelong love affair with it. And so you've got to keep reading. You've got to keep doing the, the official history we get in schools. Like one of the things I point out is that even the pen knife he supposedly killed himself with or tried to kill himself with. Like, that's even taught to school kids that he did that. And I take it all apart, mainly, like, where is this penknife? Where is this razor? Mm. The guys that I believe killed Wolfstone, who were the, the kind of law enforcement and army of the time of, on the side of the government, they were all collectors of stuff. So one of the maddest stories is that, you know, a, a, you know, a, a speech of Wolfstone sold for 42 grand during COVID. And yet, where's this magical razor that he supposedly found was left in the cell by his brother and he was able to use on himself? It's never shown up. It would be worth half a million quid easy and would be regularly in White's auction house. So where did it go and does it even exist? Oh, wow. That's incredibly interesting. Yeah. What I do is I try and apply the way we modern, a kind of a modern approach. So, you know, we would look at the newspapers today and we would go, is that the truth? Is that really what's going on in Ukraine? Is that really what's happening? And I kind of joke about it at the start where I say, look, you might think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but actually I'm a conspiracy analyst. Uh, which is, you know, these conspiracies did exist. They did happen. There are many examples of guys being murdered in prison uh, back in 1798, before and after. And, uh, you know, I try, I look through the newspapers. That's one of the most fascinating things is how did the story come out in the newspapers during the eight days where Wolfstone was dying in prison? And when you actually stack up all the articles next to each other, it, they're telling this complete fabrication. It, it, it's totally fake news. I hate to like sound like Donald Trump here, but believe me, people, everyone's talking about it. It, it's actually quite shocking how the newspapers disseminate the story. And of course, they were all government controlled at the time. And so I take things like where where's the murder weapon? Why is it not in an auction house? What were the newspapers saying? What letters did he write? Supposedly Tone wrote letters from prison. And yet the only one I found is a fake. So all of this stuff comes together to form a comment like live on stage podcast, you know, like serial or something like that. But I take you through it. It's kind of a, a multimedia roller coaster tour through what happened and you'll be blown away by the kind of not only the story of the time but this strange event that happened that we've kind of accepted for 225 years that is insane and how do you find the whole process of creating the show and researching and how long does it take you well believe it or not uh, i had a bit of downtime during covid uh, normally <laughs> normally i'm a musician and of course all the gigs were cancelled everything stopped for a year and a half two years almost so I sat down and I said, I'm going to do 18 hours a day on this. And I, in two months, I put the whole thing together. I put one documentary on, put, put online. I put, did the second murder wolf tone, which is how the historians and the church and everybody else seem to push the government line up to, up to this day. And it's amazing what I discovered. And by just knuckling down and doing all of that, a lot of it's online. But I did go to the National Library. They sent me letters. 
I was able to compare the handwriting on the letters and find out that, wow, Wolfstone didn't write this. Um, you know, his, weirdly, he, they say he was put in a straitjacket in prison, and yet his handwriting improves, and he has a totally different signature on the letters that he supposedly wrote from prison. So it, it, all of this stuff was very interesting to find during COVID, and I had the time to concentrate on it. And I think I've come up with a lot of new material, new research, and I think a lot of people are going to have to reevaluate how they see the death of Wolf Tone. As I did with Michael Collins, um, the, the Michael Collins show as well that I hope to bring to Tullamore at some point. But the tone one is the one I started with and it's, I love it. Yeah, because I have looked on your website, which is paddycullivan.com and you, you do do a lot between MC and you've written books and your music as well. So you're keeping very busy these days and you have a lot of shows that are running and we're very excited to see you in Tullamore on the 22nd. And um, wh- what do you want the audience to take away from the show? Well, I think the most important thing is, A, I believe a lot of our history has been written by the winners, as we know. But there's also a thing called loser's history, which is where, you know, Irish history is full of failure and terrible things happening, like the death of Wolf Tone and Michael Collins. And sometimes we're guilty ourselves of believing the official story because it, it makes us feel like it was a chance event or something like that. And what I want people to see is the real history, come to a real conclusion about what really happened to these people. It's very important that we lose these illusions that we have had in Irish history for a long time and really explore and figure out what really happened. I want them not only to, to, lose, to shed all of that stuff, but also to be inspired by this amazing man whose message was that Protestant, Catholic and dissenters should come together and be equal in, in an Ireland of equals. And it, it, he, he had an amazing message, a beautiful way of putting it. He was a wonderful writer, a very funny man and gregarious. And we need to stop seeing Wolf Tone as some kind of, you know, two-dimensional figure on the wall that we, we don't really know much about. And I want to bring him alive for you because this guy was fascinating. He had an amazing wife. He had amazing kids. There's an amazing history around his whole life. And uh, even what his, what his wife and his son did in 1826 when they released all of his stuff and caused a sensation around the world. We have Matilda Tone, this great woman, a great thinker and writer herself, to thank for the Wolf Tone we have today. Oh, wow. And I mean, as you said, you're putting all of the the new research and everything you found into this play and letting people come to their own conclusions on it. And I think once we hear a a story from history, we kind of leave it at that and we don't delve into it much more. So to be able to find all of these new details that you're going to perform on on the night is, is, is brilliant. And it teaches us not to just see what we have in front of us, but to look more into things. Exactly. But it's caused a lot of controversy already. I mean, when I did the Michael Collins one, Last year, I anonymous phone calls, people ringing up saying, how dare you say Sonny O'Neill didn't do it and all of this. You know, I found out stuff that he wasn't actually a sniper and never had trained as one and had a terrible wound in his right arm. It's amazing how it's controversial to this day mm. to have a different opinion about something that we've taken as read, taken as accepted history and the official story. And what I'm trying to say to people is, look, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm right and everyone else is wrong. But I am saying there's always new information coming up. There's always a new way to approach things. And the best way to do it, of course, is to go back to the source material, as I did, and find out, ooh, what a weird pattern. I did out a wall chart of the eight days, and I found out every single article, every letter that was written about the whole thing, and an an amazingly different story emerges once you go down that kind of Kaiser Soze route. There's always more to find out, and there's always new information coming up, would you believe? 
And you, you, you are like a modern day d- detective. I, I just have Sherlock Holmes popping into my head and I just think this is absolutely fascinating. And I cannot wait for everyone to see your play. And if they want tickets, they can go to eskerarts.ie. And I want this to be a sold out show for you because I think it's absolutely amazing. Paddy, thank you so much for coming on and joining me and telling me all about it. Thank you so much. And I'm so excited to play a new venue. The Esker Arts looks absolutely amazing. And I can't wait to be one of the first shows there. It is definitely a show that you want to attend if you are a history lover. So if you want tickets, it's eskerarts.ie. Just before I go, I want to let you know that the Tullamore Gramophone Society are hosting a summer concert on Sunday, 18th of June, 3pm at the Charleville Castle. Tickets are available from Tracks at the Bridge Centre from members of the Society or you can go to the Tullamore Gramophone Society Facebook page. That is all the time we have for this evening for Encore. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I have and thank you to all of my amazing guests. I will be back next Thursday with more of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmead. And if there is anything you would like included on next week's show, email me encore at midlands103.com. Stay with us here as the lovely Joe Cooney is up just after the 8 o'clock news with Country Roads. Have a great weekend and I will be back to chat to you next Thursday from 7 o'clock right here on Midlands 103. Encore on Midlands 183, thanks to the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Lone, with a wide range of flexible spaces, expertise and facilities to make your live stage production, corporate event or community function a success. Your theatre, our home. DeanCrowTheatre.com